Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So this episode is just one of those episodes where I was left afterwards being like, wow, what a fantastic lady. So today I speak with Michelle Filan. Michelle is an online coach and um, we talk a good bit about in this conversation about um, a major health issue that she um, had to deal with three years ago, which resulted in her having to have open brain surgery and months of rehab and recovery. She is now fully recovered and is back working as a coach and is back running. And her story is absolutely fascinating. And not just because of the seriousness of what she went through, but what's really, truly fascinating about Michelle is her mindset. Like her mindset is just truly inspiring. Her strength, her resilience, her outlook on life, not just in relation to her story of her health struggle, but also in every aspect of life. And I've really learned a lot from her and I've left this conversation feeling truly inspired. And I know that all of you will too. We don't just talk about um, her story. We also talk a good bit about mental health and making yourself a priority. We talk about running and we talk about fitting everything in as, as parents. And we talk a little bit about business. Um, and she talks about her running meetups, her running programs and her relationship with fitness and how aesthetics is not important to her. And it is always health first, health and how we feel. And we talk a lot about priorities and it just really was one of those conversations where I was left wow. So I really, really hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Um, so we'll start off, I suppose, let everyone know kind of um, your background, what you do um, and yeah, anything about you really, just a little bit of background on you. Yeah. Um, so my name is Michelle. I'm based down in Mayo. Um, I suppose I've been in kind of health and fitness my whole life. Um, I'm one of those. I just kind of grew up around it, grew up with it. Um, so I suppose I was always active, played sports and that kind of thing. So for me, it was a bit of a a natural transition to go into the health and fitness industry. Um, so I'm over 20 years, God, my age, working in the industry. I was first qualified back in 2002, <laughs> way back when. Um, so yeah, I've been working in it pretty much since then. Um, I, I'm actually, I live in Mayo, but I'm from Westmead. I always have to, I always have to say that uh, my husband, he's a Mayo man. Um, so he won the battle of, of where to live. So we're living in Mayo and uh, we have, I have a son, uh, Kobe, he's nearly three. And sure, we have cats and dogs and a farm and all, all that jazz that goes with the, the countryside. But um, yeah, I've worked in health and fitness, personal trainer, yoga teacher, swimming teacher, athletics, basketball. I mean, the amount of courses I've probably done over the last 20 years and I'm, I'm nearly studying something every year, you know, that kind of way. Um, so I opened my own gym then. I was working for, uh, for others um, my whole life, really. And then I opened my own gym down in in Mayo in 2019 um, and then I actually sold it there just in March um, this year and now I'm just working predominantly online um, because you know yourself okay as a busy mother and just juggling all of the balls um, I suppose online is a little bit more flexible and viable so I do teach a few couple of, a couple of classes like you know out and about just to get yourself out of the house and I do a little bit of personal training over in um another town in, in Ballina. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. 
Okay, so you are literally going to be a fountain of knowledge when it comes to all things health and fitness. <laughs> but, um, no, because I didn't, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you're so long in the industry and a lot of people online are, you know, are relatively new to the industry, myself included. So it's, it's, I love talking to people who have been through it all, been through all the crazes and um, have seen it all um, and really have those years of experience behind them. But um, actually, I was talking in one of the episodes there, a few episodes back to Rory Skerritt. I don't know if you know Rory, um, but he um, owned, he was the same, he owned his own gym he had he kind of had a chain of gyms and I'd love to hear your experience of because he was telling me how difficult it was during COVID and then he ended up having to move online and I suppose then he, he just realized that it, it was like he was actually getting better uh, like transformations and better progress with his clients actually working with them online because they were working on he was working on the whole lifestyle rather than just that hour in the gym um and so he moved his whole business online now. But um, so oh, opening a gym in 2019, mm-hmm. literally, like when you said 2019, I was like, oh man, just before everything happened. Yeah, all right. What was like? <laughs> Do you know, it was, it's one of those things. So like I said, I've worked in fitness and stuff my, my whole life. So since I was 16, I had a dream of, I wanted to open my own gym. And the reason for that was back then, like I'm in my forties now. So back then when I was, you know, involved in fitness and stuff, it was all men. And it was a very male dominated space and I'm very much for, you know, let's empower women. I want to see more women. What are the women doing? Um, so I noticed it from a very young age that there was no, there was very few women even doing like, there was like, you know, training for the guys and things like that, especially with football. It was, it was generally kind of GA and stuff like that, but it was all male trainers. Um, so for me, when I was 16, I, I, I actually drew a picture of the gym that I wanted and I said that someday I was going to open a gym. So that was like a lifelong thing. Now, I didn't realize it was going to be down in Swinford in you know, rural Mayo or whatever. I had no idea where or how or when or any of that. But it was just a dream to, to do it. And one of the reasons was I wanted to see more women participating in, in fitness. Um, so when I opened the gym then in 2019, it was like it was literally a lifelong dream. So, I mean, everything... And I'm not, you know, a corporation or a big, you know, I don't have a big fund behind me. Like everything was literally savings, everything you have to open. And it was a fully equipped, you know, gym, studio, classes, staff, bricks and mortar, you know, every machine you want, all that kind of stuff was all, you know, so it was a big investment. Um, And as a solo female, you know, entrepreneur, um, it was tough going you know um now I'm lucky my husband backed me obviously he was like he was in laying the floors you know he's a handyman as a, a you know he's great for that kind of stuff as well um so yeah we literally put everything we had into opening it um obviously it was three weeks I think it was two weeks actually before we got to our first year anniversary for the gym being opened and then COVID hit. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh my God, your lifelong dream. You've done it. And you're not even, a, you're so close to being open a year. And then COVID hit. Um, you know, and it's one of those things. What can you do? Like, you know, hindsight's a great thing and all of that. But at the time it was very challenging because, you know, you're a small business. You're in a rural town. You know, it's just... It was it was tough. And then you have, you know, bigger competitors and stuff that's able to transition online, not charge anybody. And you're just kind of in a in a world going, oh, my God, like, what do you do? Um, but you know what? We got through it like we did. We pivoted as best we could. Um, 
Now, I was obviously, I was pregnant actually as well through it. Um, so obviously that threw up some challenges too, because it was like, oh, we, you know, obviously we didn't know with COVID how things were or how bad it was. So, you know, I was pregnant, so you're kind of trying to stay away to protect. So luckily I had, um, you know, great staff. So we kind of worked as best we could remotely and we, we transitioned online. And um, so that was obviously tough. Um, and there, there's no point, anyone who owns a business is not going to say, oh, it's so easy. And it's the, you, you don't open a business as a business owner for it to be easy. It, it's just not going to be easy. It's for me, it's all about what headache do you want in life that you're willing to keep getting up and, and, and fighting for? Because everything is a headache, like everything is a challenge. And it's like, okay, well, what challenges do you want? Do you want the challenge of having a job you hate or having a job that you like, but there's a lot of challenges within that job, if that makes sense. So we just tried to keep, I suppose, plowing through all of the challenges. But for me, after I ended up, um, after we were pregnant and we had Kobe, I ended up having a seizure. And then nine months later, I ended up having to have open brain surgery. So I had an awake craniotomy. So it was all very within that kind of that pandemic period. So between your business being open and closed and then, you know, a pregnancy and then, you know, a newborn baby and then, you know, uh, having to have open brain surgery, which was all new. It wasn't obviously expected. It was uh, completely out of the blue. So a lot of challenges to kind of keep everything afloat over that over that period. So for me, transitioning then in March, I had obviously made the decision prior to, to, to actually the, the selling of the gym. But yeah, come March, then I, I sold the gym. And it's, it's one of those things, the irony of, you know, spending your whole life wanting to hit this goal of opening this fitness facility and, you know, trying to embrace a community and promote health and fitness and stuff to get into a point where you're like, right, it's time to it's time to walk away and pivot. Um, but I've no regrets. You know, I've no regrets from from selling the business. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of opening it. I'm proud that it's still standing. The name is still there. It's still running. It's still going. It's still being used, which is fantastic. And now I just get to, to pivot. And I've learned a lot of lessons, obviously, along the way as well. Um, and especially, obviously, from going through all of the health, health conditions that I've had over the past um, number of years as well has just kind of, I suppose, given you a, a different sense of life and what's important and what's what you know, what you value, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, and I do, I want to get in and ask you a little bit about everything that you went through in relation to your, your um, health struggles in recent years. But before we do, I just think it's really important to make the point there, like that you made about pivoting and that it's okay to pivot. So anyone who's listening, who's working towards a goal, whether it is a health goal, a fitness goal, a career goal, whatever, that you can get to a goal and you can, you can, you should be really proud of yourself, but a goal is never an end point forever. So, you know, you might, you might get to a goal and you're like, oh, life is amazing. And I want to stay here for as long as I can, or it might be like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And, that's and kind of that's what it was for me, really. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I thought that these like pearly white gates were going to open and there was going to be like birds and balloons or something when I, when I hit this target of opening the gym and then you open it and you're like, Oh, you know, I've, I've done it now. I, you know, it's, it wasn't, it, for me, I suppose it just became like, oh God, this isn't the be all and end all. You've done it. You've hit your goal. Now, there was a part of me that was like, if I close the gym or if I sell the gym, then I'm a failure. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to be thinking that she's useless. She, you know, why can't? And this was the narrative that was in my head for a while. I, I bet you if it was a man in my situation, he'd be able to get through it. Right. So I had this stupid narrative that, you know, I was weak because I felt like I was failing because I was going to have to, you know, sell the gym. Now, obviously I had a serious amount of things that were, you know, going on in the background behind all of that. 
but the the dominant factor was you're a failure because you're selling the gym even though i knew that i wasn't because i sold a very successful you know gym profitable gym so it wasn't sold because it was failing and i couldn't do it i built it from scratch you know it was a very profitable business and during a pandemic you know and still came out the other side as a profitable business so it was actually quite a huge success but in my head i was failing because i was you know walking away and then when i realized when i actually you know when the decision was made and i walked away i went oh my god sure i'm not failing at all like this is just another chapter in the story of the journey of my life and that chapter is closed and now it's time to move on to the next chapter and that's kind of how i view it now yeah and that's i can totally relate to that and i think as women as mothers or as women in business as well that we put this unbelievable pressure on ourselves like considering and like like the point you said and i don't like to polarize men and women too much but i do think in general men tend not to doubt themselves as much as women now i'm obviously talking in general but just from my own experience we tend to doubt ourselves and be like oh am i failing whereas a man would be like oh great business opportunity i've profited from this Mm -hmm. decision and what's what's the next business opportunity whereas it's like oh my god what is everyone going to think and you know i'll totally um, polarize it men have it way handier than women it is so much easier for men and i have no problem saying that as a married woman i love my husband you're great but men have it life way easier they just do everything is easier i always laugh like my husband is like men have men for everything right i've I've a man for that there's a man for this there's a man for that there's a man down the road that can help me for that women kind of don't have that girl down the road that woman down the road do you know what i mean because men are just i don't know they have like this handyman kind of persona or whatever so there's always a guy for that whereas i feel like women are on their own now on their own but they kind of they try i'm a success if i do it by myself yeah, There's, I suppose there is that like with women that, yeah, that's true. Like we don't tend to outsource very much, but women are, are great at relying on each other to like to talk to each other about things and in that way i think women are better but you're right men are probably good at yeah oh, there's a guy that will do that or this you yeah. know yeah yeah um, definitely um but i i think that the guilt that like i know myself as a mother i find it very difficult to multitask i find it very difficult to be you know i feel like i'm never being good enough as a mother if i'm focusing too much on my business or you know if i'm focusing on my fitness and my health and i know a lot of a lot of clients feel that and i think it's important to to realize that i i think like although we shouldn't feel that way i think it's it's in a lot of women's nature that we're going to and for just you have to kind of reinforce with yourself it's okay like you have to prioritize yourself as well and it's it's okay to feel that guilt because I think it's I actually think it's a nature thing like it's a nurture thing that we that we feel but at the same time like I worked as a teacher for 15 years you know you don't want to be the mother that overmothers your children and does absolutely everything for them you're not actually giving them any favors in life and I think that's important to that you're only going to create really needy children so it's okay to have a job have a business have time for you as well as raising your kids you know and it's 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 important like it's it's extremely important to have those things like one of the, when I look back at everything that happened to us and hindsight, of course, is a great thing. One of the things that happens was I spent so many months and months and months away from um, our, our son because I was in hospital recovering. So because of that, Liam, my husband, had no choice but to step up and to take full responsibility of looking after Kobe because he was alone. It was during COVID. So he had that, 
you know, he had to take care of him for months while I was gone. So because of that, we have such an independent relationship. We always had anyway, like we would, were always very, you know, independent people. And I suppose we became into, you know, um, parenting as you would like call it like a little bit later in life, because I'm obviously in my, in my forties now. So we were very used to having an independent life prior to having, you know, kids. But when Kobe came along, we were thrust into this situation where Liam had to take a lot of responsibility on because I was quite ill and I, I wasn't there. So because of that, we still have this independence now, if, if you get me, because Liam is well able to go and do the things and look after Kobe and dress him and feed him and do all of that because he's been doing it by default because he had no choice you know so I think sometimes we as as mothers tend to put an awful lot more and I I do think that women take more on board regardless of how amazing the, the man is and how you know it's great that he does x y and z but women will take that mental load more so than than women but I also think that sometimes we allow that to happen because we're not giving that responsibility over to our other halves or for people to help us out or ask for help and things like that because because I suppose the fact that I had no choice it has fed into our relationship over the few over the last you know three years of having Kobe that it just life is a little bit easier because we're a little bit more proactive with you know parenting for both of us um, which has really I suppose helped us in the long run if that makes sense yeah and I you know obviously you know putting aside what everything that you've been through that that's a really healthy way to parent and a really healthy way for a relationship to be and it's funny like we are similar but in in completely different circumstances I I had my first child when I was 23 so we were really young and I I was really young and I was really selfish and I was really concerned about myself and my sleep at the time (laughs) so it was literally like I'm having this baby I'm not breastfeeding uh, we're going every second night because I want my full night's sleep. And this is what was important to me when I was 23. I'll be completely honest about it. You know, obviously I loved the baby as well, but I was like, I can't, I, you know, I can't look after this baby I, if I, can't, I don't have my sleep. And I don't think it's fair that I have to miss all the sleep. It kind of, it was very like, I was very much, I shouldn't have to do all the night feeds. We need yeah. to, you know, it was like, I want this to be fair. And it was just my, I suppose, immature 23 year old self at the time. And I remember my friend, not my, just my friends, but other people, you know, like um, of like my mom's generation being like, oh, aren't you so lucky now that Dave, like poor Dave has to go out to work <laughs> and you're making him do a night feed and you're off. I'm, like, I'm not off. No, I'm looking after a baby. I was like, I don't care. It was the best. And I'm like, I got shit from people about that. Yeah. And, but it was the best thing that I did in my relationship that we did in our relationship ever, because it just started our parenting off literally 50, 50 from the word go. We've three kids now and the oldest is now 13, but like Dave is so hands-on. There's nothing he can, he's not a great cook. But I'm like, I also, I like to be in control of our nutrition. I'm, you know. Yeah, I just, I'm the same. I, yeah, I don't mind cooking. Like, yeah, because so, like, I like to know that we're getting healthy, good stuff, you know. So that, whereas if it's him cooking, God knows what we get. So I'm happy to take control of the cooking. Let's so have now, a takeaway. I'll treat yeah. you, right? I don't want that treat. <laughs> I don't want to treat you. I just want you to cook me a healthy meal. But anyway, yes. but he, like, he will do the housework. Actually, I was mopping the kitchen floor yesterday and my 13-year-old says, I've never seen you mop, he said to me. And I, I was so wow, proud. Wow, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself that my, and when he was little, he used to call the Hoover Daddy's Hoover. Oh, so like, you know, I would have done the cooking and a lot of cleaning up after dinner. He would have done a lot of, you know, so we did very much. And I think it's such a healthy way. Now, I'm also really aware there are people listening who don't have that kind of relationship or there are single parents that are listening. And it's, you know, and that I understand the struggle is so much harder when you don't have someone to share the load with, or if you don't have a support system with extended family, it can be really hard. Um, but if you do have someone at home, 
that isn't doing much, make them do more. That's yeah. all I was <laughs> Hand them the ball. <laughs> and I think it's all about, you know, being okay with like not having every area of your life perfect. You know, if you're running a business and you have kids or you're working and you're trying to exercise and you're trying to look after your health and you're trying to tick all these boxes. I mean, my house is a kick. Like my house is a mess, you know, like not every area of your life is going to look. I agree. And I'm totally okay with the laundry piling up and the washing having to be done so that I can go out for a run. Like 100% okay. It all you know? comes down to priorities. Now, I'm the exact same. Like, I'd be sitting here, you know, recording a podcast and getting loads of bits done for the business. And I'm like, there'd be a big pile of dirty dishes over there. And like, for example, my mother would not be able to sit and work with a dirty house. Like, she just couldn't. Like, I grew up in a very clean house. Like, you know, yeah. and my nana would have been the same. Like, and you know, you ironed your kids' clothes. And you'd, whereas like, my kids' clothes don't get ironed. You know, my house, like, people will often say to me, how do you manage everything? I was like, I don't. Like, Dave does the bare minimum. He doesn't do it to the standard that if I was to do it. But I have to let it go because I can't do everything. And I would prefer to sit and do my home, do the homework with the kids than yeah. be scrubbing the bathrooms. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so something has to give and no one can do everything. No. And you do just need to prioritize what is important to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, because oh, you've mentioned it now and I know people would be interested to know what um, happened. So you said you had a seizure. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what, like when that happened, what happened and what okay. you went through? So I, I would, I've never had any health problems. I've never had any health conditions. Um, I had a healthy pregnancy. Luckily, you know, touch wood, I wasn't sick or anything like that. So this was completely out of the blue. Um, Kobe was breached. Um, so I had to have a C-section. So that's fine. Went in, had the C-section. And then um, the day after I had Kobe, I was just putting him back down into the, into the, the little kind of, you know, the bassinet thing that's beside you on the bed. And I had a full-blown seizure. So blacked out, bit my tongue, rattling around in the bed. It was it was horrible. And I felt so bad because there was obviously other women with their babies in the room as well. But the curtain was closed and it was the lady across from me and she could hear me rattling around in the bed. So basically she called obviously the nurses and doctors and whatnot. So everybody, you know, everyone came in. Um, I woke up. I had no idea where I was. I had no idea I was in the hospital. And that's the, the part I remember. I mean, I remember screaming so loudly in so much fear I was I was absolutely petrified in that particular moment I had no idea what was going on um so I came around from that and spent you know over a week in hospital with myself and and Kobe our first our first week um and then they had done obviously tests and, and scans and stuff like that so what they ended up finding was what they call an AVM, which is an antravenous malformation. So it's a cluster of arteries and veins that are mixed up in your brain. And that can lead to seizures, strokes, aneurysms, bleeds. Um, and you can have them, I suppose, at any stage. It's a rare brain condition. Of course it is. Um, and you can live and die with it and, and nothing can ever happen. But if you do have it, then you're more likely or more susceptible to having some sort of a, a brain um, aneurysm or something um, as your life progresses. So I was diagnosed with that and then spent nine months getting tests and all sorts of things, because when it comes to the brain, I suppose it's very um, unique, I guess, in how they deal with it or approach it. Um, so I had a lot of tests done to see, you know, what was happening within the, the my brain, what was happening with my speech centers, because if they'd done the, the brain surgery, they wanted to make sure that I was able to, you know, speak and basically, I suppose, do as le- as less damage as possible, I suppose, from having 
the operation. But what they found from one of the tests was the area that my brain that needed the operation. Usually your speech is actually on the other side, but they wanted to test it because I'm left-handed. <laughs> of course I am. Okay. So because I'm left-handed, um, my speech was on typically the, 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 the other side of the brain. Um, so I, my speech, my speech went off and um, it actually like it, they disrupted my speech, which it shouldn't have through this test. So that's why they ended up having to do an awake craniotomy. So they done the open brain surgery and then they woke me up during it to make sure I was able to, you know, continue to speak. Um, so that was fine. After the surgery then, um, it was about an eight hour surgery, um, up in Bowmount. And then after the surgery, um, I ended up getting swelling on my brain. So I ended up, I suppose, spending over a month in Bowmount uh, Hospital and um, trying to recover from that. I had lost my speech. I had asphagia. I couldn't talk. I couldn't communicate. I couldn't um, kind of understand people. Um, and it's not memory loss in what we see in the movies. It wasn't like, I don't know, who are you? It was memory loss in the sense that I couldn't remember passwords. I couldn't remember songs. I kind of just... Um, you almost go inside yourself, inside your brain, and you're just a little bit lost. Like you can't figure things out. Um, so yeah, I spent, spent a month there. Um, luckily, I had no physical um, symptoms of after, after the surgery. So it was for me, it was all cognitive. Um, and then I went to the NRH up in Dublin, which is the National Rehabilitation Centre. And I spent over three months in the rehabilitation centre. So four months in total, I suppose, in recovery, and then, then let go and back out. And luckily, um, you would never really know now, you know, but I would know myself in terms of like cognitive, cognitively, you know, I'd have certain struggles. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I touch wood, I'm one of the very lucky ones that I, that I know, and I've met and I've, you know, you hear of different um, brain aneurysms and brain um, injuries. But I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm, you know, I've recovered to such a, a good, a good state. Wow, you're absolutely fantastic. Like that's, you know, the strength that, you know, you've had to uh, put together to be able to get through that is absolutely fascinating. Um, so did they, did, did they think that this, what did the C-section aggravate this? Do they think like, was it, you know, the way if you, you lived your life with this with no like the fact that it happened literally the day after you'd had surgery. They think it was down. Yeah. Like, I mean, indirectly, I suppose. Yes. Like if, if I say didn't have a C-section or a baby, then it probably wouldn't have, have happened, but it also could have, this is the thing. Yeah, it could have happened at a different stage kind of. Exactly. Yeah. It could yeah, have happened yeah. at any stage and this is what provoked it. Um, they reckon it was down to obviously blood pressure because it's, it was down to the brain and it's a cluster in the brain. So something happened with like lack of oxygen or something in the brain, but they think it was the spike in my blood pressure that triggered it. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of, um, but also just not, like not to be, <laughs> don't want to like scare anyone. Like it's a very rare thing to have an AVM. Um, so don't think that that will, you know, necessarily happen, you know, to you if, if you if you end up having a baby or having a C-section or anything like that. Um, it is a rare thing. So after you had the seizure, you went home I, um, after, did you say you spent a, a week in hospital, then you went home and you were up and down for tests, is it? Yeah. So I spent a week in hospital um, with Kobe from newborn. And then I was in and out of hospital every week um, for a month. Um, actually the, the nurses, the, the healthcare professionals, they used to call out because again, it was during COVID times. 
Um, I was also put off the road because once you have a seizure, you can't drive. Um, So I, in total, spent 16 months off the road, which, as you can imagine now, living like right in the sticks in in rural Ireland uh, with a newborn baby is not uh, ideal. Um, But yeah, so I spent the first month, first week in the hospital in, in Mayo. And then I spent the first month getting visits in and out between me going in and them coming out just to manage my blood pressure and make sure everything was okay. Um, and then it was up and down to Beaumont Hospital. So that's where they... How are you emotionally at this time? Because, you know, obviously you don't know exactly what's going on and what's ahead of you. And, but also like, I just remember what it's like to have a newborn baby, especially your first baby, how scary a time that is and how up imbalanced everything, hormones and everything is anyway. Like I know it took me a long time to stabilize my own mood after a normal pregnancy and birth. So I was this a really difficult time for you emotionally? Um, I would say at the beginning it wasn't, oddly. Um, I think for some reason I just had a practical view on it or something. Um, possibly pushed it to one side and didn't really believe it. Maybe there was no acceptance in it because I'd never been sick in my life, never mind the, the, the words, hey, you may potentially need to have open brain surgery now. Like, I didn't even know what that is. Like, what I, you know, so it didn't really register and and then I think you know you were told I have an AVM I don't know what that is I've never heard of that before it's not a common thing there's no support groups for that I I don't know what that is so for me just probably didn't exist fully at that point um so I think I just immersed myself in you know our newborn phase and just maybe just blocked it out if, if I'm being honest um and just kind of focused on on the you know what we had like right in our hands at that time so we kind of had in some ways quite a special time because I think we just maybe I always knew it was there but no the the first while we were I was okay it was was as time progressed actually it got harder but I think that first initial newborn bubble was was fine yeah it probably was a really healthy thing for you to be able to focus on to take your not that you were pushing it aside but to give you something positive to focus on while you were kind of waiting and there's nothing you could do anyway yeah Yeah. were you anxious about it happening again no um because I know it's done so it it can't come back it's not a it's not a I mean at the time were you anxious that the seizure would happen again oh yes yeah 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 oh yeah that I was so they I you know I was put on medication um, so now I'm on, I'm on medication that I've never been on before. I'm yes, I'm nervous that, you know, something would happen obviously with, you know, Colby there. I was, I was nervous that if I had him now, we were lucky. I say lucky, but I mean, I don't know what the right word is for it, but obviously during the pandemic, we were all kind of working from home, which lean, my partner was, my husband was as well. So I suppose I had a little extra time to feel secure because he was home quite a lot as well yeah you didn't have that worry of being on your own with the baby because you were like he he was there yeah not initially so I suppose I kind of settled a little bit into it now it was always in the back of my mind like there's no like for nine months it was in the back of my mind what if something happens and I'm not and you know Liam is not there or there's nobody there you know what what so that that thought is always in the back of your mind if you're gone from being healthy no issues nothing at all to suddenly having this massive health condition that you are completely you know surprised with it's out of your control it's always going to be in the back of your mind until you know it's going to be in the back of my mind for the rest of my life 
you know but obviously at that time until I had the the surgery yes you're you're constantly going oh god and then because you're restricted now so not only am I going through post postnatal um you know period I'm obviously hormonal I'm all over the place I'm I'm you know all of that I'm not able to to breastfeed I'm on medication I'm also now not allowed to exercise um in the way that I would have rehabbed myself um because I've had so many different tests and like tests and the tests that I've had done are, are angiograms and some of you might know what that is but it's basically inserting a, a, a tube up through your groin and it, it feeds up to your brain and then they light up your brain and then they check different things but it's that tube that goes into your groin and for me of course different things happened I had a burst artery and um, because of that so it was just another thing that prevented me from being able to you know do exercise or do the things and then they were a little bit cautious and nervous about what I was able to do um, in terms of exercise as well so I wasn't even able to I now my identity in terms of you know being healthy and fit and exercising so that identity was now gone I was now a new mother I wasn't allowed to leave the house I now had this new health condition so there was an awful lot of things kind of I suppose if you're somebody like me who would use exercise as a way to help manage my stress and help manage my you know mood and now I wasn't allowed to to do that so there was different things like that that would play um, and feed, you know, into that, you know, narrative or into that, um, I suppose, environment of where I was, where I was at. And um, so there was a lot of difficult times and moments and and stuff. But I, I always say to Liam, like, I'm three years, it's three years on now, almost. And I say to Liam, like, I really didn't have enough meltdowns like that I was warranted like I should have had more meltdowns because I deserved to have like more like meltdowns than what I actually had during that time um but again I feel like we I just kind of got very practical about what was happening and what was going on and you know and just I think that's what got me through without having more mel- more meltdowns than like what I did have you know yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for sharing, because I'm sure it's difficult to kind of dive back in and, you know, uh, uh, like kind of exploring how you actually felt at that time. So um, let's fast forward then through the surgeries and now you're at the stage of recovery. OK, so, you know, you're, you've been told your surgery has been a success, but yeah. now it's reco- it's recovery time. Mm-hmm. So talk us through a little bit how you felt there and what your mindset was. Like, were you very much focused on? I want that Michelle back, the fit, healthy Michelle, and the, I'm going to do everything I can to get there. Or what, like, what was your thought processes through once you were out of surgery and heading towards rehab? Yeah, that was it. It was like, tell me what to do, give me the list, and I'll go and do my homework. Like that was that was what it was. Um, so that like I'd have, so I obviously spent four months in hospital together, and it was all um, rehabilitation. So there was, you know. Um, speech and language therapy. I had physio- physiotherapy because my balance and stuff was quite um, poor as well. Um, occupational therapy, you know, there was there was so much going on. Um, but I was like, give me, give me whatever it is that I need to do and I'll, and I'll go and do it. So I, we were very practical again. It was like, you need to go rehab yourself, give everything you have to this rehab so that when you get home, you're in the best, you know, condition that you can, you can be. So yeah, very much a practical you know, let's go and let's, let's rehab and let's get, let's get going here. Yeah. And what I would imagine was it very frustrating in the beginning. So, you know, little things like balance or speech or, you know, were there times where it was, you'd literally kind of 
break down like I can't do this this is so fucking hard or this is just going to be never ending um no I kept myself in a place where I just believed I'd get better I I had to because if I started going down the you know I'm this is hard it was hard I couldn't talk I couldn't write I couldn't text like for the first couple of weeks in the hospital I couldn't speak to anyone so I couldn't talk to my husband so in in my mind my mind is fine I understood everything that I was thinking everything that I wanted to say but I couldn't get that out and I couldn't communicate it um but I just had this complete belief that it'll all come back and if I keep doing what I'm doing it'll it'll get better because I I really feel like if I started going down now it's not that I never had because that would just be a complete lie you know where I'd be on the phone to Liam and I'd be in tears and just you know what am I doing and it was is it wasn't more the recovery I always felt like my recovery would happen it was I want to get home to my baby my business is, is going to like fall apart I'm losing out on so much in life it was that I felt like my recovery was always going to happen but just maybe typical me not quick enough this is like I want to get back and I want to be myself tomorrow and you know having the patience to wait was just not my forte I'm I'm not probably I'm more patient now (laughs) but you know back then I was like what's the next thing let's go I was busy 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 but when you have a brain injury it's very hard to be busy 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 anymore you have to manage yourself in a way that you've never had to manage yourself before. And that in itself becomes frustrating. So my recovery I knew was going to happen and I believed it was going to happen, but I just, it was the time. It was the time that it was going to take to do that. That was the, that was um, the biggest challenge. Like You're actually nearly just brought me to tears there. Like your mindset is absolutely fabulous like it's amazing um it's what you you know it's what you read about in books it's what you see on you know document on mindset documentaries like it's you know that that self-belief and that's what I'd love to focus on now for a little while is how important self-belief is because yes obviously you were going to feel upset you were away from your baby you know you were missing out on your life you know there was so much you wanted to do but you never stopped believing that you were going to get better no matter how hard it was and I think a lot of people that don't reach their goals, it, it's because they don't believe they can do it. They, yeah. they lose belief in themselves. But like, you know, the businesses that fail or, you know, people who, who were working towards something, some sort of health goal that they just can't reach, they, they lose the belief in themselves. Yeah. And it, it's easy to believe when it's easy. I know that sounds really, it's easy to believe when it's easy. It's easy to believe when momentum is going your way and everything's going well and you've had a good whatever in business or a month or a week or whatever. It's not so easy to believe when things are hard. So when you're going, when you're in the depths and things are a struggle and, you know, I don't know, in your business, you launch something and nobody signs up or whatever it is and you start to doubt yourself or you start running and you get a little niggle and then you can't run as well as you thought you could run but so you give up you know and it's like if you don't believe that you can get through it then or if you don't believe you can do something you're never going to and it's believing when it's hard it's believing when you go through a tough time it's believing when you're injured it's believing when you're ill it's believing when you know the hardship you know is right in front of you and that's the most difficult time because it's the decision that you make when you're in that, in the trenches, that's going to make the difference. So you can give up and there's a really good um, picture 
um that does be online I've, I've seen it before and it's like you're so close you're like an inch away from achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve but you you give up and it could be just that moment you know that you're you're going to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve or hit that goal um and it's not that it's not easy or like that it's it, it's easy all the way i've had really difficult times you know i've spent months on end away from my my baby business during covid trying to manage everything trying to manage staff also trying to manage yourself your health your new body postnatally like there's so much that was was going on but i just had to keep believing and believing that it was going to you know work itself out in the end and um, so definitely believing through the hardship is is really important right we had a little bit of an interrupt there with um our coverage so hopefully it'll have merged together nicely but Michelle you were talking a little bit about um self-belief so we were talking about self-belief and how it's easy to believe when it's easy yeah so and I think that's really important that it's believing when you're going through difficult times you know we all like if you want to achieve something it's it's when it's when it's the most difficult it's trying to not give up um, and not doubt yourself in those moments you know, if you want to go after something, whatever that is, whether it's a career, whether it's a, a workout goal, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, you have to believe that you can achieve it. And that doesn't mean that it's, you know, you're, you're, you're breezing through it and it's super easy or anything like that. But it is, you know, you know, when, when, you know, when you're, there's times where you feel super motivated and everything is just going great for you. And then all of a sudden you have a sick child and, you know, you're sick yourself and you've been put out for a week then, then you start to, you know, it takes longer for you to get back in. Um, because you've been put out of routine but you have to be able to believe what well, it's basically like when you're going through the trenches when you're going through something that's really difficult it's all about your mindset and I really do believe that I believe that you have to talk yourself out and you have to talk yourself in um, to, to different things and different situations so if you're going through a difficult period try not to and you know I, it's easy to say we've all been there but it's trying not to wallow in it for too long okay allow yourself a little bit of like why is this happening or what's this about or oh my god how am I going to overcome this and what about that challenge and yes allow yourself a little bit of oh oh my god you know this is this is tough but then get over it and and get on with it because you kind of only have you know yeah well you have choices in life but how do you want your life to be you know do you want to be the person that's overcoming things and put pressing forwards and just facing the challenges and then moving on or do you want to be the person that's going to just sit there and wallow in the challenges and then just blame everybody and blame yourself and blame everything that's going on around you um because you know at the end of the day you know you want to be living a happy content positive life as best you can and yeah. so for me that starts with self-belief you have to believe whatever it is that you want that you can go after and you can get it yeah that's so true like and because Yes, we can control our we can control certain things in our lives, but at, like you know, your story being a perfect example that we can't plan everything in life. Things no. are like life is not perfect, and mm. I think a misconception about reaching our goals or any type of journey that we go on or any type of feat we undertake is that we there's a misconception that it's going to be easy, but life isn't always easy. So yeah. nothing that you put into your life for the long term is going to always be easy, and. Mm. 
that that's a huge thing i think that you know especially if if you take on something um positive you know like you know a career goal or a fitness goal or something you expect because you feel so positive about it that the whole journey is going to be positive where it's just not the case and i think that we need to learn the resilience like the resilience that you have to be able to deal with these challenges and sometimes it's dealing with really serious challenges like what you've had to to be able to realize that and I think a dangerous part, correct me if I'm wrong, with some people, probably myself included in certain circumstances, is that your identity, as you said, you said, like, you know, not to lose your identity or your identity can get wrapped up in what's going wrong. I am a failure. I can't do this. I'm not a fit person. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not whatever it is that you suddenly, because things are hard, or because, or, you know, especially as you said, we're trying to live a happy, positive life. A happy, positive life isn't going to be happy and positive, isn't going to be happy all the time. Like yeah. there's really tough times, but you can still have a positive mindset towards, I think it's just having deep, re- deep rooted purpose, like have a deep rooted purpose and identity, which really you kind of need to build when times are okay. Well, it's, it's, finding, it's finding the positive in the challenges. It's finding the gratitude in the challenges. So I, I spent three months in the NRH, in the rehabilitation center up in Dublin, away from my baby. But what I did do was I made some friends up there. And one of my buddies, Jim, who was in a wheelchair after having um, a really bad spinal um, injury after having, after having an accident from a, from a motorbike, and we used to go down and have hot chocolates every day and we'd get lost in the hospital and then I'd get given out to her because I was wheeling him and he was he was always, he was, my God, the chattiest person I've ever met. He was a ray of sunshine and uh, we'd be late coming back to the ward because of him, you know? And to me, we were both in a really, you know, it was a bad situation. You're in hospital, you're away from your family, but we made the most of it, you know? And we, we enjoyed that hot chocolate that we got and that chat that we had. Um, and it was those things that kind of just kept us kept us going because if we kept focusing on oh I'm not away from my family I'm not gonna you're you're dragging yourself down and you're gonna have moments of course and pockets of you know um, sadness because obviously you you're missing your family and things like that but you have to try and find the gratitude and the positive you know the positive in the circumstances that you're in because otherwise. I don't know. It's just life is much harder if you choose the other option, I think. Yeah. And you don't have to have it all figured out either. Don't you not like, you know, that you can be in at a and want to get to B. you don't like, and I'd be, I'd be terrible for this, trying to plan out the whole plan of how I get there. Whereas like, you know, just knowing this is where I'm going, but then, you know, having difficult times and it's okay to fall down, but you have to pick yourself up and, you know, sometimes if you're searching and searching, what do I do next? What do I do next? You're not finding any answers because sometimes you just need to stop and surrender a little bit and then wait until something comes into your path and take action. Like a friend that you meet in the hospital that brightens your day a little bit and being like that, that lifts you up or whether that's a, you know, a job opportunity comes your way that you weren't expecting or you meet someone um, unexpected who's going to be able to help you move towards your goals. That's it's important to have a certain amount of letting go and trusting the process and then taking action. Yeah. When and success, success is subjective anyway. So it's kind of sitting back and thinking like once I, because I'm a goer like that, you know, I'm, I'm, there's always something, what's the next thing. So now all of a sudden I was thrust into a life of pause 
of taking it slower, of, you know, having a lot of headspace and a lot of time to, to think, which for me was just like a bad place to be because I'm, I'm just overthinking everything. Um, but when I got to grips with, you know, journaling, when I started going to therapy, when I went on um, retreats and things that just started to, things started to open up a lot more in terms of my mindset and understanding myself and the resilience and all of those things that I probably didn't really, I just like, all right, okay, let's get through it and get to the next, next thing. But emotionally, I'm not sure was I aware or was I, you know, I didn't sit down and think, right, I'm going to be resilient and this is what I'm going to do. I just sort of got, got through it. And it was through journaling and therapy and talking it out and all of those things. So for me, success now is, is very different to what success was when I was in my 20s or even in my 30s. You know, I had this objective of or this idea of what success is. Now it's completely different. And I think it's really important that when you're trying to go after something that you really need to understand what success looks like for you. You know, even if it's uh, an exercise goal, success, oftentimes women fail, fail in terms of like doing a fitness program, for example, because they think that they, everybody is doing four workouts in the week and they want to do four workouts in the week and they can't do four workouts in the week because their lifestyle just doesn't allow it. They're too busy and all they can manage is two, which means they're failing. So because they can't do four and they can only do two, they don't do any. And that's like counter obviously productive. So it's understanding that success for you might be two workouts and to stop letting comparison, of course, and the whole lot is the thief of joy. There's always going to be somebody in life better than you. There's always going to be somebody fitter than you. There's always going to be somebody richer than you. There's always going to be somebody driving a nicer car than you. But are they happier than you? That is yeah. the question. But that that's it. But who cares if they are or not? There's, there's yeah. no comparison of whether you are or not like I literally in the nicest terms don't care about other people and what they do in the nicest way possible as in that's how I live my life now I think everybody should do whatever they want that makes them happy that has no bad intentions to anybody else and lives their life doing their thing with no judgment and really recognize what success looks like for you. Because I thought it was more. I thought it was bigger. I'm opening this gym. I'm opening another gym. I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. And it was very materialistic. Whereas now, all irrelevant. Now all I want to do is work online. I want to walk the farm. I want to play with my, my, my son. I want to hang out with my husband and my friends and my family. And I want to se send out that message that women should be looking after their health first before they start thinking about anything else. And again, because I'm in my 40s, when I was in my 20s, I didn't care less about my health. I wasn't thinking about that at all. But I just think from perspective, as we age, it's really important that women actually go, hang on a second, it's time for me to start prioritizing my health. And prioritizing my health isn't, prioritizing your health can also be, get up off your ass and go for that run and go and do that workout. Um, and for me, it's all about your mental well-being, because if I'm feeling better because my mental health is in a good place, then I need to do more of whatever is filling up my cup to make me feel that way and not less of it. Yeah, no, um, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I've lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you something on relation to, in relation to that. Um, but talk us, talk me while well, I think of that. Anyway, talk to us a little bit about running because running, this is running is something that you are into. You were doing before you went through everything and you're back running now. 
and um you do I see from your social media do you run meetups and stuff in your local community um, yeah. we'll talk a little bit about what that kind of generates and how that feels and yeah so as well again like that it's the whole thing here I used to used to be fit I used to and I think women will relate to this anyway, like whether you've been through a health thing or not is irrelevant. So think about it pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy, how you feel, how your body is and all of that. Like you're just in a different space when, you know, when it, when you're postnatal. Um, it's taken me a long time to get myself back to a level of fitness that is anyway comfortable. Um, so I will say that if you're somebody that's returning from injury, returning postnatally, don't be putting so much pressure on yourself to be a version of yourself within a first couple of months or even year. It's taken me three years. Kobe will be three next month. And it's really only since July. So whatever that is, six months uh, in the last six months. So it's taken me the guts of two and a half years to get to a place where I'm actually back into a regular pattern of exercise. Um, so I'm not out running marathons now or anything like that. Um, but I do like going out and being able to, I think it's good to be able to run a 5k and not feel like your lungs are going to fall out of your knees <laughs> I yeah. think it's important to just have like a base level of of fitness so yeah. um I've been obviously working online helping women online um through my, my my coaching programs but we have um I have a running program that I started and actually one of the reasons why was because um I was feeling at a time I was quite low after I'd sold the gym and just there was a few months there where I was a little bit lost about, I didn't know what I was doing. I was so used to being busy and being in the gym. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm at home. I'm not doing anything. So I just said, right, now is the time, Michelle. So I started back running. Um, so I started doing very little and just building up my fitness and doing all the, you know, the ticking the boxes and not being myself up because I'm not fit anymore. Um, and through that then, and my own experience, obviously, um, and expertise, I created a Couch to 5K online running program for complete beginners who have been thinking about running, would like to get into running, um, but just don't know where to start. Because oftentimes we plan the runners, we go for a run, and nobody really knows how far to go, how much they should be running, like what they should be doing, how do I warm up before a run, how do I stretch, like what, what am I doing? Um, so I created that Couch to 5K program, and I also have a, an, an Increase Your Speed 5K program. So if you're running 5Ks and you'd like to get better at your 5K time, I have a 5K program and I also have an interim program. So if you're not quite a beginner, but you're not quite comfortably running 5Ks regularly, then I have a, an interim program as well. So it's all about the 5K um, the 5K mark. Um, and so we do, now anyone in the country obviously can join up and take part in the running program. But then I have in-person meetups where we'll go and we'll run a 3K or a 5K. Just really, just an opportunity for people to connect um, there's so many people who, you know, would join into the programs, don't know each other, don't know people. Maybe they don't even have like, I know for myself, I'm not from Mayo. So I know what it's like to move to different places and not have, you know, friends or, or, or connections around. So what we do is we meet up, we go for a run and walk. Actually, I have walkers, too. So it's not, you know, you have to go and do PBs for 5Ks. It can be just coming out for a walk, meeting others, and then we go and we have a coffee or we have, you know, a, a croissant or whatever it is, and we have a chat and then away we go. So we do those every every kind of few weeks in different locations um, just to see, you know, if there's, if you know, not to see, just to give an opportunity for people to, if they're able to make them. So we'll travel around. The next one is in Castlebar. We'll go to Westport. We'll do Roscommon. Like we'll travel around and, and just create, I suppose, an opportunity for women to connect, meet up, go for a run, have a coffee. Um, I think it's about promoting health without having to be so focused on, on aesthetics and weight. 
and maybe just, you know, veer away from that a little bit and kind of give some attention and focus towards doing something else that's just good for your health. Um, so that's kind of what the, the running club is about. I love this. That's just so positive, like, and so needed um, mm. just to be a part of a group where it's no bullshit. It's like, we're just out to be healthy and to look after yeah. our mental health and our physical health and connect yeah. with each other. And, um, yeah. oh, it's just so good. If there's people listening, because like, I know I'm like, oh, I'm interested now. I Like, I should really get into a little bit of running. Where, if people are interested in your, any of your running programs, where would they find that? So just, yeah, Michelle Filan, um, Michelle Filan Coaching is the handle for basically everything that I have. So Michelle Filan Coaching, Instagram, Facebook, we've literally just launched and started a new coaching program this week. Um, so and I, I'm actually running it for eight weeks because it'll bring it right up to Christmas. Um, and we have a couple of meetups then in between. Um, now, obviously, all of that is optional because, you know, some people might not travel from you know cork up to, to mayor or whatever well, they will they might well, I'm sure um, there's plenty of people listening who are <laughs> in the west there that are in the mayo area that will be interested in this you know that yeah, are close yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Michelle Filan coaching you, you'll catch you me don't there. have to meet up is that it you, you can you can no, no, do, no. You just do the whole program, program yeah. to follow yeah yeah exactly. amazing um, and i just one thing that i noticed you talk about in relation to the running when you know obviously you know you're setting goals you want to get to a certain level of fitness again but i think sometimes we can it can nearly be counterproductive and I don't mean in your in your situation but I think a lot of us are always like oh I would love to get my pre-baby body back or I'd love to get to how fit I was when I was in my 20s and I'm like why are you trying to be like you were before you went through all these empowering things you've been through you know that you're strong like so taking a woman who wants her pre-baby body back why would you want your pre-baby body back like your body like look what your body has done for you it's given you a baby it, you look how strong like I remember being just so proud of myself of how strong I was um to be I able think, to get through childbirth you know um that I think it's really important to honor our bodies and to be like I'm strong I I'm got my body is better than it was before and yes I want to build it and I want to get strong and I want to get fit but in a new way yeah and it's um do you know what it's a difficult thing and I I think Having a baby changes your body. Obviously, we all know that. And I think the narrative of you should just love your body is a really difficult one because what if you don't? And I think yeah. it's like you should just embrace your body now. You know, it's giving you a baby and you should be you should be thankful for it. But what if you're not thankful? What if you're struggling with, you know, excess skin? What if it's, you know, your body was different prior to pregnancy and you're struggling mentally post uh, post pregnancy like for example myself I had a c-section that wasn't you know in the the agenda I didn't know that that was going to be part of my now now makeup um so dealing with the c-section scar and then obviously you know your your stomach after c-section so I think you can love your body and you can appreciate your body for what it's done for you but it's also okay to make your to, to want to get stronger and it's also okay to want to you know um lose a bit of weight and it's also okay to you know to make those changes and i think there's a fine line between acceptance and you know wanting to change yourself to um you know who you were before you were you were yeah. um, i would like 100 percent. like i'm not saying that we're that we should we should love our bodies and that we we should accept ourselves for the way we are. I'm saying that we shouldn't be looking to go back. 
I think we should be looking to push forward, being like, okay, my body has done all of this and now I'm going to bring it to this next level. Yeah, being like, but, but that it can be better. Like to me, I'm way stronger than I was in my twenties. I'm wh- like my like I like my body is my body is way better than it was when I was twenty four. Like uh, without <laughs> you know, but I put the work in, you know, and I'm really proud of my, of my body and you know what it can do. Um, and it's out, but I I've been at a place where I haven't loved my body and I didn't have that trust in my body that um. I, you know, I genuinely didn't trust my health or my, the strength of my body. And after I had kids and I really wasn't in a happy place, but if you think about the lifestyle that you're living now compared to the lifestyle that you were living when you were twenties, like pre pre baby, like I absolutely would not have the energy to live the life in my twenties now. No, (laughs) I could just be enough. Yeah. Like give me the, my more, relaxed mindset I love like and, and it is funny I, I do actually love myself more now than I did in my 20s because in my 20s you're always kind of more self-critical about how you look and all of those kind of things it's just a natural thing I suppose when you're when you're growing up whereas now in my 40s I couldn't care less I will do what I want dress what I want eat what I want you know all of those things so there's a bit of liberation I think that comes with age as well So I definitely think have acceptance about, you know, the body that you're in. It is a case of I completely agree with you, KP, 100% proud of what you've done as a mother and everything that you've gone through. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for such a massive change biologically, physiologically within our, our, our bodies and what we actually do. And especially if you've had more than one child, mother of God, like what have you done? Like so many times you should be proud you know, of, of what you've achieved and what you've done. But at the same time, it's okay to want to lose that weight, but do it in a way that you love your body, not because you're punishing it, not because you hate yourself, you know, it's that whole. And to push forward rather than back. You know, none of us are 20 anymore. Well, there could be 20 year olds listening, but any of us who are not 20 anymore, we're never going to be 20 again. Enjoy Um, your 20s, girl. Actually, enjoy your 20s and your 30s. Appreciate (laughs) your body. (laughs) No, but um, actually, one thing that you, um, before we finish up that I want, I found this quote, right? And when you were talking about how your priorities have changed, um, it reminded me of this. I was in Dublin Zoo with the kids at the weekend, right? And I was at the little farm section and on the like fence at the farm, there's I don't know if anyone's listening and they've seen this before, but I'd never seen it before. But it's a quote from George Washington, right? And it says, I had rather be on my farm than be emperor of the world. Yeah. George Washington. And I was like, what a cool little quote to have. And I'm like, That's actually perfect. You. I want a farm and I want it. Well, like, it's so funny because I had only just said to my dad, we were there. I was like, I don't have a farm, but I do live in the countryside. And um, I remember saying to him, I was like, oh, I hate Dublin. I hate all the people. Like, I just bring me back to the countryside. Yeah, you made me think of that when you said that earlier. I thought you'd I enjoy it. it. Yeah, I that it's okay it. that your priorities and for just before we finish up, just that everyone, whatever your goals or priorities are, because this has been a very much kind of a goal orientated conversation, that it doesn't have to be big. It can be as big as you want it to be, but it's okay. Like one of my goals is to be more present, to actually have time to really yeah. enjoy my life. And yeah. I think as we get older, that becomes more important as well. Um, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change. Yeah. It's okay to want something and then get there and then decide, no, nah, that's not what I want anymore. Life is way 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 too short to be worrying about trivial stuff because at the end of the day you only get one shot so just 
live on the farm and be happy. You don't need the emperor or the whatever you call it, the empire. Yeah, the empire. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, last question. What does the word health mean to you? Um, health has pillars. And the least important thing to me is your your um, your weight. Um, and health for me is your mental health, your well-being, your connection, your um, your outlook, your environment. Um, they are the things that are more important to me when it comes to when I when I say health, that's what I'm thinking about. What's happening within your life? Are you do you feel content in what you're doing in life? Are you connected? Do you have friends? Do you have people that you can reach out to? You know, are you enjoying time in nature? Are you enjoying time, you know, in, in the world? Um, are you exercising and doing something that you actually enjoy doing and not feel like you're doing something because you're punished by it? So for me, that's that's what health is. Um, it's more, that's, yeah, probably more holistic approach, if you like. Um, again, I'm not trying to say don't lose weight or don't go after, you know, strong goals. That's not the case. But do them because you are um, trying to improve your improve your health and improve your life and improve your confidence and your overall well-being. Not because you're fitting into some version of society that you think is where you need to be. Yeah. And kind of confining yourself by rules that you've set yourself or yeah. that rules that you think society has set for you that it's okay. okay. At the end of the day, if you want to eat or if you want to be whatever it is, nine stone, I'm just plucking that out. Don't give out to me nine stone people. But if you want to be nine stone, what's the lifestyle that you're willing to live in order to stay at that weight? Yeah. Likewise, you want to be a millionaire. What's the lifestyle you're willing to do to exactly. get yourself there? How many hours do you want to work? The great yeah. example. Yeah. So, you know, and it's the same with the cost of being lean, how yeah, skinny or lean do you want to be or how fit do you want to be? But like everything comes at a cost. Yeah. So it's about really if anyone is to take anything from this conversation, I think it's go and put, do a bit of journaling work and really yeah. think about list your values. What are your values? What are your priorities? What are your goals? And do they all align? And if they do, you're going to have such a solid anchor for whatever yeah. life throws at you because you'll always know what you're here for. Yeah, you'll come back to your values, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Michelle, thank you so much. I've had such a great time. With yeah, this I could talk to you all day. It's been yeah, lovely. We could, we, could done. we could do another hour, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I like to try to keep the episodes to around an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Three days later. Uh, <laughs> we're still talking. <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much. And I'll share your information in the show notes anyway, if anyone wants to follow you and look up the uh, running programs and stuff. So, Brilliant. Thanks, thanks for having me, Kate. Thanks.